Hello. Welcome, everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 1, Episode 10, Asylum, premiered on November 22nd, 2006, directed by Guy B and written by Richard Hatem. We are Natural, natural, natural friends. friends. We've got our pal Greg, we've got our guy Bruce, they've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're gonna spend some time with Sam and Dean, we're gonna kill some monsters and break down a scene. Remember, spoilers ahead. This week on Supernatural, Sam and Dean receive coordinates from their dad. The coordinates turn out to be for a haunted asylum. The boys realize their dad is sending them orders to take care of a murderous, vengeful spirit. Our heroes once again save the day, but Sam is not happy being ordered around. So unlike last time dad gave us some coordinates to follow, this time they were accurate. If we remember from... The end of the pilot coordinates given to Sam and Dean actually take them to Arizona instead of Colorado, where the Wendigo was. Um, this time, the coordinates actually do take them right outside of Rockford, Illinois. So, nice improvement there. That is that I specifically did not look them up because I was annoyed last time and I didn't want to feel that disappointment. So, <laughs> that's a nice improvement. The opening scene, or just in general... This episode, I really uh, enjoyed. I like old buildings a lot, abandoned buildings specifically. So I, I just thought this was a really fun episode. Yeah, the set was really cool, and um, we'll dive into it a little bit more later. But they, I think they did a really nice job, kind of dressing it up and creating a really cool atmosphere for this episode. I always think uh, they're just neat because, like, I always try to look around at like little things here and there to see i don't know just something about the fact that like people used to be in there and things used to happen there and not too long ago so you can actually like think about how things were operating um like you see beds in the hallway and you're like okay i you know you see those are hospitals now you know what i mean so like things like that i think are really neat um specifically there's a uh there used to be a hospital locally around here um that was very similar to the look of this empty chairs still and like patient records were still laying out they got in a lot of trouble for that there's like a whole hobby world of urban exploration that i've never gotten into it just now popped in my head i completely forgot about it from childhood there's the house we lived in when we were when i was little there was another house behind it that was like an abandoned house me and my brother and sister would go in there all the time, and it was not structurally sound, and it was really creepy. So we see our beautiful brothers in their typical, well, not typical, um, and this is, I guess, a great time to call it out. Their hotel rooms are always so different, which I think is a really great job by set design <laughs> and production. Like, it doesn't look like they're constantly staying in the same hotel hotel room which is just an amazing accomplishment. But while they're there, Sam's on the phone. He said he's tried calling um, Caleb, Jefferson, and Pastor Jim to try to find their dad. Now, Bruce, skipping ahead a little bit, do you think we will ever see or hear again 
about Caleb Jefferson and Pastor Jim. I could see Pastor Jim being a thing just because he'll be like a staple in the community. Okay. Um, but the other ones sound like throwaway names. <laughs> All right. Write it down. We'll find out. Uh, so in this scene, I should have mentioned this earlier, but the coordinates, when they <laughs> show the phone for the coordinates, it is the worst shot of a cell phone I have ever seen. It zooms in on it and it was just really awkward. And this has been a problem with phones on screen ever since phones became a thing. And every frame of painting did a really good YouTube video on cell phones on screens and how Hollywood has a really hard time figuring it out. Sherlock did a great job. That's my favorite. But uh, this was the worst. It's hard sometimes to even know what you're supposed to look at when they do that type of zoom in too. Like, am I, am I looking at the name? Am I looking at the, you know, what time it is? I, 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 like, obviously you're looking at the message, but to find it with your eyes in that short amount of time. So they figure out that these coordinates were sent from their father, and then they have a little bit of bickering about what to do. Dean, the good soldier, just wants to blindly follow the orders, and Sam, our rebellious younger child, just ha- gives some pushback on it. Like, why can't he just talk to us? Why are we just listening to whatever he says? And blah, blah, blah. Um, which, when I thought about it, we hadn't really gotten in a little bit it's been a few episodes since we've seen them interact like that so it was kind of nice to see that that's still an issue with them without us harping on it every single episode who do you think's right dean (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i lean towards dean but mostly because of regardless of how you feel about their dad and what he's doing and and how he's avoiding them what are you gonna do in the meantime just check it out (laughs) I want Sam's character to like lay out his current motivations because I'm kind of confused on what he wants to be doing in general. Of uh, they're they're looking for their dad and their dad is playing hard to get essentially, and it's just like, <laughs> all right, you want to just stop entirely, go back to Stanford, or are are you like committed to hunting again? And and you might as well go to this asylum in the meantime. During this episode, we find out that they've been on the road for six months, um, so it's roughly. April ish. I think Sam's motivation is still like he partially feels like they're wasting time if they're not specifically working with their dad to find out what killed their mom and Jessica. Okay. No, I like that. I don't think either of them are right. Um <laughs> I definitely uh lean I think I lean a little bit more towards Sam. I know you guys are very Dean, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh for some reason there was what did Dean say? He said and that's why I get the second cookie. And I thought that was <laughs> the weirdest phrase. Because I'm like, okay, so you do this for the cookie? So I I don't know. Just uh, I think ultimately they both need to meet in the middle with their ideals. So like, yeah, Sam's right. We need to focus on, you know, what dad. Because yeah, dad should be talking to this. Because that's whatever he's doing is ridiculous right now. Because he's like, <laughs> like you said, playing hard to get. But at the same time, you know, Dean could probably chill out just a little bit and maybe look into things just a little bit more before he, you know, salutes dad. Yeah. And the reason I lean towards Dean at the end of the day is like you were assigned this mission so that you could go save people's lives and actually go stop whatever this monster is. So it's not like following these coordinates are going to lead to anything bad. You're going to end up saying yeah, or pointless. Yeah. 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 It's not like 
your dad sent you these coordinates and said, go buy me some cigarettes and meet me at this hotel. <laughs> no, you really have like a good purpose to follow through with this. So they get to Rockford and they talk to our white cops partner and Dean introduces himself as Nigel Tufnell from the Chicago Tribune. Do you guys know that name? I do not. Do you guys ever see This is Spinal Tap? So Nigel Tufnell is the fictional guitarist in This is Spinal Tap. He's the one who <laughs> has the amp that goes to 11. The fight that they had to, I don't know, for some reason, get him to trust Sam was so awkward. How did anyone think that was a real fight? Yeah, it was really weird. But what I really loved about it was the two of them acting like they're bad at acting. Yeah. <laughs> So just from like the perspective of those actors, it was very well done. Because they could have done a really good fight. Yeah, I mean, we've seen them like actually fight on the show, and it looks great. But they were able to figure out how to make it look not as great. And it was really cool. You pushed me really hard. <laughs> and then Sam orders two beers by just throwing up two fingers to the bartender. That was cool. I wanna- I'm gonna I live in that world. That. <laughs> That's definitely a thing in media in general, and it drives me insane every time. I'll have a beer, please. And the bartender goes and gets a beer. Like, yeah. there's so many variations. Like that, I get. If you you can't mention specific product names, fine, whatever. And you were too lazy to make up one, fine, whatever. But no words involved. Just two fingers. You know what I want. <laughs> it's loud in there. <laughs> So from the cop, Sam and Dean find out about the asylum and that that's where they need to go. So they end up going in the daylight, which I thought was a kind of cool little turn um, that we're actually investigating this haunted asylum during the day. And they even call out, they hang the lampshade and mention that the creeps only come out at night. So they're actually able to just kind of investigate this asylum without having to worry about whatever spirits or whatever they're going to find inside of it. The moment I really liked in this was whenever Dean calls Sam Haley Joel <laughs> and they actually take a few beats to acknowledge Dean's kind of feelings about Sam's powers and just kind of mocking him a little bit about it. It makes me think that Dean's throwing up these defenses and kind of deflecting a little bit. And I think he is kind of weirded out about Sam's quote unquote ESP. He calls them the strange vibes. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, ah. Uh... The secret dreams. Secret dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Before they uh, get into there, I loved um, Dean's jump over that fence. I don't know. If you guys that. <laughs> he did like a front flip to get into there. I wonder if that was planned with a stuntman or if Jensen was just like, hey, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I can do. <laughs> I, when I saw that, I immediately thought about how like for every scene, there's multiple takes. And I just wondered what Jensen Ackles <laughs> felt that day just <laughs> climbing that fence like six times to get the right shot and why was that the one that they picked because <laughs> yeah. it looked cool yeah it looked awesome so when they were walking through um they walk into that one room and like i said i was looking at the props and stuff uh the baby doll just like laying on the <laughs> the one table um just again kids toys it's just creepy <laughs> kids are creepy, creepy. What do you guys think of Dean's Jack Nicholson impersonation? <laughs> I think it was once again, like the actor being bad at acting and like purposefully being bad at acting is really impressive to 
have a bad Jack Nicholson impression that was good enough to be a Jack Nicholson impression, but bad enough to be bad. It was, so, <laughs> and then his face whenever Dean or Sam didn't react to it. <laughs> Jensen was just great this episode. It was really funny. Confession: I never saw any of the movies that he referenced. Oh man, you never know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest or The Shining. No, no I've never seen either of those. Uh, so yeah, I didn't get any of those references. So I was like, okay. This is probably really funny to somebody who's seen these. <laughs> That's when they mentioned the Smurl Haunting and Amityville. Smurl Haunting, just quick on Wikipedia. Claims made by Jack and Janet Smurl of West Pittston, Pennsylvania, who alleged that a demon inhabited their home between 1974 and 1989. So, guys, one of my dudes finally got some therapy. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot you've been calling for that. Yeah. Sam got uh, his therapy. I just did a training uh, not too long ago, uh, specifically on how to do like certain type of uh, therapy. And uh, the first thing is always that you have to like build rapport. And this guy did not do that whatsoever. <laughs> he, was, like, he was like, I need to talk about your brother and the, you know, the road trip. What's going on inside your head? I was like, oh, God, God, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> I love that he had been talking to Sam for what two minutes and it's just, all right, let's cut the bull. <laughs> <laughs> right. But he that was a fun just interaction in general, though. Just the, I, I want to talk. No, let's talk about what you're really here for. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Like. The whole setup of this, though, is we have this thing to investigate. And normally we go to a public library and or check the internet. But this guy's son is a psychiatrist, so let's go make an appointment. So when we see our mischievous teenagers entering the asylum, did they look familiar at all to you guys? Did they make you wonder? Maybe, hey, who is that? Our weekly segment where we take a look at some of our guest stars featured on this week's episode of Supernatural. We'll start with our wonderful cat, played by Brooke Nevin. Hey, who is that? Now, you guys might recognize Brooke Nevin from her appearance on the Goosebumps television show. Also, Are You Afraid of the Dark? She played Rachel on the Animorphs TV show. She was on the 4400, and kind of relevant for us, uh, she played a lead role in I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer, the third movie in the... I know what you did last summer trilogy. <laughs> did anybody know that was a trilogy? Because I didn't. <laughs> I had no idea until I did this. Next up, who might look a little bit more familiar for you guys, is our ghost kisser, Gavin. <laughs> Played by Nicholas D'Agosto. Hey, who is that? Well, you might recognize our boy Nicholas from the wonderful episode of House Detox, or as I like to call it, the one where they dig up the cat and give it an autopsy because it's not lupus. I mean, that sounds like seven episodes past. It's, it's a really good episode. Sounds memorable. I think Hugh Laurie was nominated for an Emmy for it, but it's fine. <laughs> All of our listeners, though, are going to recognize this actor from his, my guess, currently most famous role playing Jan's musical assistant Hunter on The Office. Oh my god. <laughs> Heroes fans out there will also recognize him as playing West Rosen, the flying boyfriend of Claire Bennett. Or more recently, you may recognize him from playing Harvey Dent on the TV show Gotham. Third, we'll go to our examination room spirit, played by Roy Campsall. Hey, who is that? 
know, Roy hasn't done a whole lot, but you will know him from playing the Wendigo <laughs> in episode two of Supernatural. Bruce, how didn't you catch that? <sighs> and last but not least, a little twist on the formula here, but we're going to talk about our setting, the Roosevelt Asylum, filmed at the Riverview Hospital Mental Health Facility. Hey, what is that? Where is that? So Riverview Hospital is a health facility in British Columbia. On Supernatural, it's also used as a prison, a regular hospital, and an apartment building on various episodes. This location has also been used in many other productions, including Arrow, Prison Break, The Butterfly Effect, Elf, Deadpool 2, and one of the biggest inspirations to this show, The X-Files. That's cool. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week on... Hey! Hey! Who's that? Who is that? So while I was watching this, um, specifically the first scene, um, when the police go in, the first thing they do is split up. And I'm like, oh, there they go. Those silly people who split up when they go into a haunted place, right? So then Sam and Dean go into this place. And uh, we know what they do? They split up. We have the boyfriend and girlfriend who go in. The first thing they do, they split up. I, as soon as I started <laughs> noticing it, I got so frustrated with everybody because nobody could stay in the same room with each other for five minutes. And after these teenagers split up, our boy Gavin thinks that he sees his girlfriend in the room and just, man, he lands one on that ghost. <laughs> <laughs> just like our boy Jack in The Shining. You wouldn't get it, Bruce. After Sam and Dean enter the asylum and you see that thing run quickly behind them and then it's back to the boys and then it makes like this real random transition. And I like this is probably my least like shot of this whole episode was when it shows the spirit randomly in the straitjacket. Oh, yeah. Just hanging out and then makes that weird like white fade back to sam and dean yeah and then we never see that spirit again i was really confused about what that even was i thought it was someone real there for a second like i couldn't figure out what was going on if it weren't for the awkwardness of the shot i would kind of understand that the point would be to attempt to demonstrate that this this place is not just haunted by a soul or two like it's extra haunted but they should have had like three more non-awkward shots of other entities you know to show like this place is really really haunted because that doctor screwed people up in there yeah and like we already have three spirits that we interact with there's not there's not a need to show that random fourth one they even uh when they're walking in sam and dean are walking in initially he talks about all the orbs that are going around all over the place Mm -hmm. um so that by itself implies that there's a whole lot going on Sam and Dean end up finding Cat hiding, and my initial thought was, "All right, here's our damsel in distress for this week." <laughs> but nope, Cat's great. I loved her in this episode. She was really fun and was pretty different from what we've come to expect from the women on this show. Cat later says that, like, "I'm if we survive this, I'm definitely breaking up with you." I just wanted to point out that, regardless of the fact that the asylum ended up actually being haunted she should break up with him anyway uh like even if they 
<laughs> went in and out unscathed. Like he just seems like a terrible boyfriend who makes you think you're going to the movies and and like abandons you in an abandoned asylum. Like even if it wasn't haunted, she was scared and he left her there. Like it's just a bad boyfriend. Yeah, Gavin's not the best. Cat definitely deserves better. <laughs> Gavin was definitely a like there was a lot of seriousness going on to this episode. So I think you needed him to be the like goofy kid to like kind of make things a little balance. Yeah, yeah. I thought both of them were like a really nice fun addition to this episode. The how you're hurting my arm scene. Hmm. I thought that was really fun. What did you guys think about it? It was fun. That part was fun. But then the spirit um like teleports her basically to that room. Like there, it didn't seem like there was like a dragging of any sort. Yeah, he dragged her. I think he did. Did you see her feet shuffle at all? I mean, she got like pulled into the room. Okay, I have to go back and rewatch it. it. In my head, for some reason, it felt more like a like a flash zooming her into the into the room. It just felt a little unnatural how quickly they got into her into the room. A little. Would you say it felt supernatural? <laughs> 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 so I definitely. I liked the uh, Al, you're hurting me hand scene because it didn't really get me because it's hard in a TV show to like really like genuinely scare me or creep me out. It reminded me of the creepiest scene in The Conjuring was the clapping scene, like really got to me. And so even though it didn't get me, like I still appreciated like how I don't know how it could be creepy, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, like, the the easy way to do that scene is just... Like, pull her in. The ghost is suddenly behind her and pulls her. But they, I don't know, just went the extra mile to make it just, like, a little bit creepier. That was a pretty gross hand, too. <laughs> like, the the makeup on that was pretty pretty good. Do you guys think you could just look that guy into the eye um, when she's in the room with the spirit? No, you face it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what she said? <laughs> yeah, she's great. <laughs> and let him whisper into your ear. I would have a lot more trouble with it than she did. Because even if I knew what Sam knew, like it was a shot in the dark that, oh, we ran into one spirit that was benevolent and trying to whisper in your ear. So I'm going to assume this other spirit in here is also benevolent and trying to whisper in your ear. I'm assuming he's a good guy. They had two examples. What was the other one? Gavin. That's the same one. The kissing ghost. Kissing one? The same. And no, those were two different ghosts. Oh, okay. I missed it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that Sam ran into was like old. Oh, okay. I somehow missed that. Okay, so they have two examples. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so they had that example... Okay, that makes a lot more sense. They have at least two examples. Sam is a little bit yeah, doubting during this, though. He definitely goes, I hope this works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like, um, as it turns out, there is at least one spirit in there that was on a murderous rampage. So good thing it didn't happen to be that one. <laughs> so I'm just <laughs> glad it worked out. <laughs> Did you guys notice the like bloody handprints on the door of that room? <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, I would not want to look at this guy. <laughs> After I saw that, I was like, he's like trying to claw himself out before he died. Like, oh man, that's a nice touch. Uh... So after this is whenever Sam and Dean end up splitting up. Good for them. 
because that's what everybody does. Yeah. Um, and Sam's supposed to take Kat and Gavin and get them out. And Sam and Kat are having this little interaction where they talk about Sam and Dean hunting. And she gives maybe my favorite line of the episode. Dean, he's your boss. <laughs> I was wondering. So from her perspective, I guess, what was it? Dean ordered, not ordered, but like Dean told Sam to take them and, and he went off. So I guess from her perspective, it could be that he was his boss. That's funny. Which that was one of my problems with their splitting up then in that group, because how much faster was it for Dean and Sam to take them out and then go together toward to 137 <laughs> yeah. than splitting it up and Dean going by himself and potentially getting hurt? I don't know. Bruce, it's going to bother me because I'm <laughs> sure it's going to happen a thousand more times in this series and I'm going to notice it every single time. So this part wasn't clear to me. Maybe you guys have a better observation, but why couldn't Sam, Kat, and Gavin leave? What was stopping them? I thought that the door that they originally came through was locked, but it did not look like the same door that they no, came through. that definitely wasn't the same door. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Of, I thought it was supposed to be the same door they came through, and I also thought it did not look like the same door, but I, I didn't look any further into it. So... They came up to a locked door. Is that what it was? The door was locked? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, my, I mean, my assumption then is that it's just some random door that they came through after, like between their entrance and yeah. where they made it to. It just got locked. Okay. Yeah, it makes you think there was more to that arc right there that they didn't Cut put in. Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, during uh, their scene, when he when Sam gives Cat the shotgun, um, in my head I was like, I wonder what happens if one of them gets shot with assault. So I was like, I wonder how bad it gets it is to get hit with salt. And I get to find out in this episode. I was so excited. Um, whenever. It- Whenever Sam was pointing the gun at Dean, did you think he was going to do it? Um, Wait, when he was on the ground? Yeah, which one? No, I'm sorry. Whenever he was pointing the um, shotgun at Dean with the salt, did you think he was going to shoot him with the salt? I think I did because I was like, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was, it was 50-50. I, I wasn't surprised that he did, especially because it was supposedly non-lethal and it was just a really cool effect though. Blasted him through the door. Whenever Sam first goes down into the basement and um, he's investigating that like hidden surgery room, this was the moment where like the whole episode just kind of came together for me. And like I actually started to feel the atmosphere and the tension and everything. It's like, oh, this is a just kind of a little cool, creepy moment whenever he sees like the guy behind the curtain and the music's playing just right and it's dark and the lighting's perfect and. I thought it was a really fun, actually kind of creepy moment that they pulled off in the episode. Yeah, because the other spirits that we encountered, and the, yeah, they're very creepy, but they're very you know benevolent, like we've talked about. And this one finally is like, okay, this is serious because this, you know, he made uh, the cop kill his wife and stuff like that. Um, so you're like, okay, this isn't just a fun little monster, you know, haunted mansion. <laughs> Whenever Sam points the real gun at Dean with the real bullets, 
did you think he was going to pull the trigger then? I was yes. I was worried that he wasn't. <laughs> I was preparing to be mad that in this aggro state, like uh, something came over Sam and and he realized like he didn't want to kill his brother. And, and I, the whole time I'm thinking, the man killed his wife. He cannot not kill his brother. So I was really glad he pulled the trigger. My only question about that is, when did when did Dean? take the bullets out of that gun in my head he knew that sam was uh kind of off before they even went into that room because they had a little conversation there where sam was like a little bit awkward about things in the hallway i believe so yeah um so i don't know in between that and walking over which is kind of weird now that i think about it because what's the point in taking out the bullets of your own gun yeah, it was interesting, <laughs> but hey, I mean, it it played for Good a nice tension. little scene, so I'll take it. A sleight of hand trick that he learned from dad. He always carries there two guns go. in his pocket of holding. <laughs> we got to see the bones burning. What are we, 10 episodes in, and we finally got to see bones salted and burned, and that killed the spirit. We did it. That was a really cool effect, too, like the turning black and like dissolving. See, it was cool, and they worked really hard on it from what I read in the companion. But I was, I was honestly like kind of disappointed that why didn't he just go the way of the hook man? Like, like just flame wise, uh, it's CGI and you could tell it's CGI, but it doesn't look that bad. And I was just like, I'll just, just have a stick to one thing, you know? Yeah, I think they're still. T- my, I mean, my guess is that they're, they were still trying to figure out what they liked as a show yeah yeah and like what they wanted their effect to be yeah i couldn't believe how uh so i don't have it with me but the season one companion talked about how how much work went into the special effects of the practical effects of uh making it appear like as a body that it had to be solid until it hit the floor and then crumble and like to find that consistency was really difficult yeah they had to do a lot of work this episode. Did it say how they did that? Like, what kind of materials I don't, used It didn't to, end up saying, but it said they had to try a lot of different stuff that would actually be able to hold the correct form and then fall apart as soon as it hit the floor. Secret tricks of the That's trade. So cool. And we get the end of our episode. Dean's asleep, phone rings, Sam answers. Dad? Oh, I forgot. Hey, guys. Do you remember when I predicted that uh, we're going to meet Dad? You said... You said at the mid-season. Episode 11 is the number I kept using. (laughs) Yeah. Which... (laughs) I think this episode was the mid-season. I did look it up. Uh, I believe this was November 22nd. Yeah, Yeah, and the next one's not till January. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'll take it. The (laughs) mid-season return, it counts. Right. (laughs) What do we think about the spirits that are still in the asylum? What about them? That's what the boys think. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was nothing to be worried about with them. And how many of them are no longer that, like how many of them were trapped there because they were were trying to get someone to deal with the doctor. That was a thought. And if that was the case, I I would like to have seen like, Oh, we're free. But I, so I guess you always need what 
every single time. You I always want to see it spelled out for you. At yes, the please do. But well, so let's assume for a second that they 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 didn't they weren't released or or whatever you want to call it. From what we know so far, like it's just still not much. Do you have theories about ghosts in this universe of? Those ghosts left at the asylum, are they suffering and need to be put out of their misery, or is it fine to just leave them there? Especially now that the the murder man got his you know, got rid they got rid of him. Based off of what we saw last episode with Mary, my guess is they aren't suffering. Okay. Yeah, like like that's a good point. Mary was just kind of chilling for twenty years and protecting the house and not yeah. suffering, just staying. Okay. Right. I love it. So, Greg, did you find anything out about haunted asylums? So, I, I wanted to look into specifically haunted asylums, and um, the like most f- infamous asylum that came up is Danvers State Hospital uh, in Massachusetts, which um, was featured in episode six of the podcast Lore called Echoes. Um, so. Uh, Go check that out. It's a great podcast. It turned out that Denver State Hospital doesn't really have a history of hauntings like like you would expect because it was so infamous for just treating its patients terribly. But I found out the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum is one of the most haunted asylums uh, in the United States, which is in Weston, West Virginia. And... They do ghost tours, so we should go sometime. I definitely know people have gone there before. Oh, cool. So the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum opened in 1864 in Weston, West Virginia. It was originally designed for 250 patients, but by the 1950s, it was home to over 2,000. It was understaffed and overcrowded. I found an article by... Marissa Cascino of The Washingtonian, she visited the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, and I'll just read an excerpt from it. It said, Julia and I set up in a room allegedly haunted by a spirit named Jim James. We placed a mag light on the floor and asked Jim to turn it on. The light was Julia's, but I inspected it, and it seemed totally ordinary. A few beats passed, then it came on, by itself. I offered Jim a cigarette to turn it back off. It went dark. It's um super haunted and they you know it's it's um seems all the most haunted places on earth happen to have tours where Denver's has been torn down and was not open to the public ever and did not have a history of hauntings. So it's just like, huh, wonder what the correlation is there. I'm trying to imagine even how to get that many people into that type of building, like yeah. made for 250. Yeah. <laughs> like that was real bad. You got people laying on top of each other. That was like part of what it alluded to was like it was just this overcrowding, and you just imagined terrible um, conditions. Um, but it was spelled out for for Denver's is that like the overcrowding being understaffed. Uh, so for Denver's, like there are stories of patients dying and not being discovered for days, and so for stories like that, I was like, "Oh, this is definitely haunted," and just really couldn't find, you know, evidence of it being haunted. And those that type of stuff definitely 
uh, gets to me more um, just, uh, I don't know, scariness-wise, for lack of better words, um, only because, like, the realness of it. Like, that happened. Like, those were terrible conditions. Like, you can imagine the type of things that went on in that. And even to go back to somewhere that, you know, whether it's haunted or not, um, doesn't get rid of the fact that those things happened in that room. Even talking about it gives me that little bit of creepiness, like just think, thinking about uh, being there. I would give this episode debating between seven and eight, and Casey called me out for having so many eights so far, but this is an eight out of ten. So say a seven and a no, half. No, this is an eight. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean no? <laughs> no. No, I won't. <laughs> I mean, we have stars. We have a number of... No, they're not stars. They're vengeful spirits. And there's eight of them out of ten. Vengeful spirits. Why won't you use halves? We can't use halves. Or you can use halves. I can't. Why? Because it's <laughs> What's It's already a fine scale. You know? Obviously it's not because you're... <laughs> so, Greg, you're going to have over 300 episodes to rate. Uh-huh. It's okay to use more than ten ratings to do that. IMDb uses... 7.1 and 7.2 and that's because they average it but can't you can do half stars on imdb okay can't you <laughs> i guess that's not good Probably. for my argument <laughs> listen i don't believe in half star ratings you guys can do it i i refuse to give in so i give this episode an 8 out of 10 just like all of my other 8 out of 10s it was a good episode not much to complain about um it had a good um like aesthetic, uh, like the the asylum was done really well uh, as a setting, and like we were talking about earlier, the asylum, like just the idea of an asylum, gives you this this vibe, and then the show did a good job of capturing that. Um, so, yeah, eight out of ten. I gave it seven out of ten. Crazy spirits. Seven point zero. Yeah, I didn't even give any halves. <laughs> um, like you said, I love the old asylum setting just in general. Um, that gives me, a, you know, a creepy vibe. Some f- fun banter uh, with the different characters. Um, that's why I get the second cookie, Sam. Um, things like that, you know, uh, Dean getting shot at. Just a lot of little fun things here and there um, to lighten the spirit in a haunted asylum. <laughs> we did come across the issue with sam and dean um whether they should follow dad or whether they should you know do their own thing um and even though like you said we hadn't addressed that in a while it felt a little monotonous i would like us to maybe follow more of an arc on their relationship with each other because it feels like it's very jumbled on where we are with understanding each other um but i guess maybe brothers that's a thing we're probably going to run into you know, just in general, they'll probably act like brothers a lot. The only reason I gave it a 7 out of 10 and not an 8 out of 10 um, was because this kind of felt like it was mostly just a lead up until the last 30 seconds of the episode. The most important part of this episode was that phone call at the end. So it kind of felt like, okay, well, this was just filler until we got to that point. Um, So yeah, 7 out of 10, crazy spirits. It's an interesting take. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the opposite of it. Like, here's the episode and just throw on a tag of dad at the end. I think that TV today is very, especially network television, is very different than 
what it was 15 years ago. Episodic TV was what you made. If you wanted to be on a network, this was the format that you made because you had to fill 22 episodes. It, it was what it was. And today that's not what TV is as much anymore. It is very serialized. It is every episode or every other episode. We're going to touch on the large arc for our season or for our half season. And that probably plays into a lot of kind of your expectations for why you feel like some of this stuff doesn't matter, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing or that you're wrong, but um, I mean, TV is very different than it was back then. So I can definitely see why you feel frustrated or whatever about filler episodes. I'm also, so I remember specifically watching Power Rangers as a kid and um, every single episode they would, you know, they'd almost get defeated, but they win in the end. And I just remember <laughs> as a kid, I mean, five, six, seven years old, I was like, I just want them to lose sometimes. Um, so, I mean, it's just been me all my life. Like, I need sometimes a little bit more than the, you know, the daily episode. <laughs> well, I gave this episode eight and a half out of ten. I really, really liked this episode, and I remembered it. I remembered a lot of about this episode from um, all the other times I've watched it. And, and just I really enjoy the atmosphere that they create with this episode. Um, great set design. You wouldn't even recognize that this is still a set that they use for other things and that other productions use. Um, they did a really great job with the lighting and the use of the makeup on the spirits. Like I told you guys, I loved Kat. She was awesome. Um, I think they did a really nice job with her subverting expectations that we've built up for our weekly women that we feature in these episodes. And her, both her and Gavin were, I think, above par for what we've come to expect from our guest stars on the show. And the big bad wasn't anything great, but I think the rest of the episode really made up for it. So eight and a half out of ten. Next week on Supernatural, we're watching season one, episode eleven, Scarecrow. Sam and Dean finally make contact with their father, but he tells them to stop looking for him and sends them on another ghost hunting job. My prediction is that so naturally we feel like we're just gonna meet up dad right in the beginning of the episode. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think, like you said, he's sending them on a trip, right? Another hunt. We're going to have our episode where they're going out and having an adventure. Um, but in my prediction, I think they're going to struggle at the end and not be able to beat this uh, entity or whatever. Big bad. And dad is going to come in and save them right at the end. Ooh, that's a heck of a prediction. Let's see what happens. <laughs> um, and then dad will disappear within the next couple episodes but he will point them in the right direction to find out who killed sam's girlfriend for any questions comments or smart remarks send them to natural friends podcast at gmail.com find us on instagram and twitter at natural friends podcast thank you to our fans and our wives for your continued support if you enjoyed this drop us a review and subscribe thanks for joining us we are natural, natural, natural friends friends, friends. For any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendpodcasts at gmail.com. Greg, you're rubbing off on me.